Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Here we will delicately and tactfully walk through each psychological issue. Psych! This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. This is not intended as individual, psychological, or medical advice. Please proceed at your own risk and always defer to your individual medical or mental health care team. Basically, don't make it weird, guys. Right. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shit Your Shrink Thanks. was just guessing at numbers and figures pulling the puzzle apart questions of science science and progress they don't speak as loud as my heart but he said it was easy <laughs> What is the next line? I don't know. Something yeah. apart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I picked it because this was, well, first of all, this is a Coldplay. Yeah, Coldplay. It's Coldplay. And it's a representation of what we're talking about today, which is the scientific method. And it, the song is called The Scientist. Yeah, yeah, I dig it. Yeah. It was also on my breakup pr- playlist for like a long period of time. <laughs> so just like <laughs> cry to Coldplay. Be like, I'm the scientist. And I, I can't it. figure it out. Uh, <laughs> I was going with weird science. Oh, yeah. I thought about weird science. But Mm -hmm. the lyrics are kind of a little too specific to the show. Yeah. I noticed. So I was like, oh, maybe not. Yes. It was kind of tough to find science-y songs. It kind of was, actually. I was surprised considering how into science our society is. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. And also I thought about Bill Nye, but. I thought that one too. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Nye. Yeah. The science Science guy. guy. When I was in high school, we did this chemistry class and there was this like substitute teacher that would always play a video. And on one of the days that he played a video, he played this video about mixing two substances and it wasn't Bill Nye. It was like knockoff Bill Nye. And he was talking about mixing the potassium and magnesium in this video but when he talked about it he was like mix the potassium and the magnesium (laughs) and so now whenever i hear bill die i immediately think potassium and magnesium of knockoff bill and it just rings through my mind i love it i love it yeah anyway so folks today we're going to be talking about the scientific method but before we do that as usual just a reminder, we do have an email address if you have questions for us. That would be shityourshrinkthinks at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Our Patreon is www.patreon.com forward slash shityourshrinkthinks. We also have an Instagram and a Facebook. So visit us. Come say hi. Check out our hot memes. We have yeah. hot, hot memes. We make a lot of memes. That's <laughs> I was telling. Mostly mental health related. There's a few obscure yeah. ones, I think. Yeah. <laughs> we get we get off track from time to time. But that's, you know, that's good. We're we're meme-tastic. And who doesn't love a good meme, right? So, right. So visit us, visit us, check us out. So what's good with you this week, Michaela? Well, I just watched Encanto. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. That's a freaking great movie. It was so good. Yeah, yeah. The, like, not only are the songs just, like, catchy as hell and fire. Yeah. But, like, it really explores family dynamics and, like, the ancestral trauma and Mm -hmm. how we get lost and who we think we should be instead of, like, embodying all of Mm -hmm. who we are. Mm -hmm. I was so good. But the songs, though. I've had those songs in my head since since watching it, and I can't get them out. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely (laughs) – yeah. The the Under Pressure one is really good. Whatever that one is, is, was my favorite. I think it's called Surface Pressure, actually. And I added it to my Amazon music already. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I already know it by heart. (laughs) Noob. (laughs) I'm like, Under Pressure? What is that? (laughs) Yeah. No, it was great. I I like the We Don't Talk About Bruno. Yes. The whole thing was – We don't talk about Bruno. No, no, no. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's, uh, Midwestern Wasp families right there would relate to that song we don't talk about bruno right yeah we're, we're just gonna avoid every problem we yeah. have and it's gonna be like it didn't exist right and so we'll do that and that's gonna work yeah that's what we are going to choose to believe that's going to work yep yep hey guess what i'm gonna work. totally spoil the movie for you it doesn't work i, I know <laughs> that all of you could believe it would but it doesn't uh, yeah what's your what's good oh my what's good this week actually so I, I think I might have mentioned on the show before that I really like poetry. 
I think, yeah, you yeah. noted that. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I know you know that about me. And this is no surprise. I was definitely an emo screamo kid in high school. So no surprise that I like poetry. <laughs> and I used to write it and I like to read it. And when I went to the mindfulness training that I had to do for work, we read poetry as part of it and just kind of get yourself in the right headspace. And hmm. sometimes when I'm in a, a negative headspace, I like to read something that puts me somewhere yep. different. Yep. You know, obviously I love Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> that's probably not putting me in the right headspace, but that's the sort of shit I like. But I really like this kind of more upbeat one. It's a poem by Mary Oliver called The Ooh. Summer Day. Have you heard <gasps> it? No, tell me. Yeah. So uh, I have seasonal affective disorder and I am in the throes of it now. And so I wanted to read about a summer day Aww, for, for yeah. folks who are also struggling. So the poem goes, who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper. I mean, the one who has flung herself out of the grass, the one who is eating sugar out of my hand, who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Mm. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields. Which is what I've been doing all day. Tell me. What else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with this one wild and precious life? Mm. Yeah, it's kind of like a mindfulness-based yeah. sort of poem. It really I, is. Yeah. Getting in on the details and, yeah. oh, I love that. Yeah, I think it puts you in the right kind of headspace for mindfulness in summer. And I also like the part about, you know, I never really vibed with more traditional religious stuff it's it can be feel confining to me at times but I do love spirituality mm -hmm. and I liked the line about I don't exactly know what a prayer is and it really resonated yeah. me because I, I don't feel like I know exactly what that is but I know how to pay attention and I thought that was cool that is cool yeah I love that yeah so that's my what's good today Aw, I love it. I love it. That was inspiring. Give yeah. me a little chills. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I figured like maybe once in a while I'll bring in a poem or something or just I something I really liked to that uplifted me in the week. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. So what did you do for the outside of podcast experiment? How did it go? So I'm pretty sure we were observing colors in our environment and kind of being aware and how they impact, how they impact and, mm -hmm. and everything. And there were a couple of times where I kind of thought about it and acknowledged it, but I'll like acknowledge that yeah. I didn't put much effort into yeah well it was more of just an awareness exercise because our last episode was about color psychology just how colors impact your emotional experience maybe how they're used in marketing but it was right. just awareness it wasn't like a specific act right right and yeah so I I tapped into that awareness maybe a couple times but so yeah, yeah I mean and I tapped into it more so just to make sure when I was trying to calm or settle, like I was making sure that I was surrounding myself with that kind of stuff and a little less about acknowledging if something was trying to influence me, like the marketing sure. stuff. Sure. Yeah. No, that makes sense. How about you? I didn't do it at all. I did a different thing, which okay. I'm super proud of, which is I started a laundry schedule. Oh. Yeah. Y'all who know me in the real world know that I'm a gremlin and I can't do anything on time like in in household world like I never went to the class about you know open your mail or do your laundry <laughs> on a schedule I just didn't do that class and so it has now dawned upon me after a really arduous day of like six hours of laundry like bananas amounts of laundry that I need a schedule and I've been doing it every Saturday yeah and I've never done that before <laughs> so this is new I'm feeling and it actually did improve my mental health because it piles up in your yep. room and the reason why I started to do it was because we had talked about that cleanliness episode mm -hmm. and I've been thinking over and over again about the research that people sleep better when they're in a clean room. Yeah. And I can verify that. <laughs> I can now verify. Research done again. <laughs> yeah. Another study conducted via Sunny. <laughs> yeah. Single subject model over here. But I can say this case study report is that having the laundry out of my space, out of my sleeping space, actually did help me sleep better. So. I believe. Yeah. 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 So I did a totally different homework from like a couple weeks ago, but I got there. Hey. That's sometimes that's how we cope, guys. We might set goals that we can't quite reach and later we'll get there. Right. Well, and two, that's how our clients are is yes. that so many times we see people who 
we plant a nugget of information and it comes back. <laughs> Usually how it comes back is they'll come into session and be like, hey, doc, I had this great idea. And it's like two months later and it's the thing you definitely told them. <laughs> <laughs> and you're and you are sitting there thinking, okay, I pretty sure I said to right, do that. I'm pretty sure I asked you to do that a long, long time ago, but glad you're doing it. Yeah. 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 Great. It just, it, sometimes it takes a while to germinate once you get the nugget yeah. of knowledge and not everybody remembers where the source of knowledge is and it's right. not always that important. As no, long it doesn't as, matter. Yeah. As long as it germinates and takes root. So something about you, you talking to me about cleaning germinated, it just took, how many weeks was that? Gosh, I don't even know. A month, maybe. Probably. Yeah, about a month. <laughs> it took me a month to really process but that's that one. Re- that's probably a realistic timeline for how long it generally, I mean, for somebody to process something and really try to implement and right. like legitimately implement. Right. And and seeing us doing this homework, guys, is a model for you want to go where your motivation is that week. My motivation wasn't on the color psychology right. stuff. I had motivation to sleep better. So I went there and I was more successful with that. Right. Yeah. So this week, we're going to address a topic that we talked about on past episodes. So in past episodes, we've talked a little bit about determining what is good research and Mm -hmm. bad research. And today, we're going to be talking about the basics of the scientific method. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Blinded (laughs) by science, baby. How it applies to mental health, how to use this method to improve your own mental health, because the scientific method is not just for researchers. This is something that you can use every day. And how to use it to also get around your own consumer research about therapy and therapists. Right. Know what sorts of things are going to be effective for you. You don't have to have a lab coat or fancy degree to be educated about this. But first, so let's talk about the reasons we'd want to learn the scientific method. Because I think a lot of people, they hear this and they check out. And they're like, <laughs> oh, okay, I don't care. <laughs> but there's some actual practical reasons for learning this. There are huge payoffs. So what's on your mind in that regard? Well, the scientific method really attempts to minimize the influence of bias or prejudice in an experiment. Yes. Um, Even the best intentioned scientists can escape some level of bias. It results from our personal beliefs and our cultural beliefs, which means that every human filters information, you know, based on their own experiences. And unfortunately, this filtering process can cause a scientist to prefer one outcome to another, which Mm -hmm. is then called confirmation bias Mm -hmm. and that tendency to where the data supports the hypothesis while ignoring the others. Right. So we have to understand the scientific method just so we can get accurate results in our day-to-day life. Right. Let's say you wanted to buy a fabric softener. I mean, I'm just making something up. And you wanted to see if the cheap one that's going to save you three bucks Mm -hmm. is going to actually be worth it. You'd want to apply the scientific method there. You you want an outcome that the cheaper one should be better. You hope for that. Right. But you don't know. And that would – the scientific method would allow you to test that hypothesis. Same with let's even leverage it into something bigger. I do this all the time with people in their relationships. Mm. So let's say you're dating. And I highly recommend if you're dating that you're playing you're playing the field a little, right? Ooh, you're playing the field. You're flirty and what is it? Flirty and 30 and flirty? Oh, 30, flirty and fabulous. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. Yeah, you're 30, flirty and fabulous. Yeah. And you're playing the field and you're trying to get out there and do the thing. And you've got Three or four people, I like to call it the roster so you, or, or the crockpot. I call it the crockpot. So you got yeah, three or got four a few people. people percolating. Yeah, they're percolating <laughs> and they're really into you. And you're trying to make a decision about who it is. You want an objective scientific method to select the best mate for your life. That is potentially one of the biggest decisions that you could ever make. And you want objective data, right? You want somebody who's going <laughs> to, they got to, got to, got to show a little tenderness. <laughs> And so you want that and you you say, okay, tenderness is described by these five behaviors. They're going to offer to pay for my dinner. They're going to open the door for me. They're going to bring me soup when I'm sick. They're going to give me a call without me pestering them. Mm. And they're going to ask about my emotional experience. Those are the five things that I want to see. Yeah, that you're going to be testing out. You're (laughs) you're theorizing and exploring. Yes. So then you give it a month, right? You have a cross-subjects design where you have a month of what are the behaviors here? Are they checking those boxes? 
did Betty do three of these things and Bobby do five of these things? Who wins this experiment and over what period of time? Right. That scientific method, those objective behaviors, measuring that is going to, well, it might not speak as loud as your heart because <laughs> you might want something specific. Right. But at the end of the day, maybe you have a bad dating or relationship pattern. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You need to rely on the data. Yeah. Because your heart tends to draw you into that narcissist. Yeah. Right. right. And you're like, oh, like this guy gives me some passion. But that roller coaster, this guy over here is more consistent and actually doing the the things things that I need to do. Whereas this guy, I feel pulled, but I also feel pulled. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. As as another person who often falls for narcissists. Sorry, everybody. It sucks. But you do need the scientific method to establish, okay, who's actually treating me objectively the way I want to be treated? That's another use for the scientific method. It can be all the way from determining what detergent you want to use and what's cheapest to the mate you want to select. Yeah. With mental health, you can use it as that as well. Like we're trying to learn which coping skill works for me. Use those yes. scientific method to determine and experiment which which skills really helped in that heat of the moment or which skill, you know, played yeah. around. Yeah. 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 And and I call it the scientific method here. There's different. So like if you were doing IQ testing, for example, it would just be called problem solving skills. Mm-hmm. So we can interchange scientific method with problem solving skills. They have the same general steps. Fair. And there's even a therapy called problem. Yes, there is. There's a problem, problem solving, solving therapy. therapy. Yeah, yeah. And the scientific method and problem solving therapy are basically the same yeah. thing. There's a pretty deep. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> Correlation. So, yes. Yeah. So we also want to teach you the scientific method today so that you can be an informed consumer, that you can determine what therapies would be most effective for you, review the research about medications or medical procedures, review the evidence on things like complementary and alternative medicines like massage or acupuncture or yoga, Mm -hmm. so that you can inform and participate in your own treatment plan. You guys need to know the scientific method so you can read the research and know what's best for you because I've got to tell you, I mean, even I get fooled by stuff sometimes. As I've mentioned, we have an Instagram and I go on this, we have to follow a bunch of kind of like mental health accounts to kind of get traction and viewership and stuff like that. And some of these mental health accounts, I got to tell you, if I wasn't a trained psychologist, I would believe some of the bullshit that, that they're throwing. Yeah. I would say at least 60 to 70% of the stuff I see advertised on Instagram is total BS. Ugh. And I wouldn't and I wouldn't know. I mean, right. I've even had to take a pause. I saw something on Instagram the other day, a new therapy that I'm not going to disclose and I it was being touted as something that would basically cure everything. Of course. And, you know, Anytime it's a cure-all, you know that it's yeah. BS. I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah, pretty much. And so this one was going to cure your entire history of trauma just in like five minutes. Oh, geez. Yeah. Of. And if anything is a quick fix for trauma, yeah. also BS. Yeah. Also BS pretty much. Um, and so I looked into I, it, but it looked really convincing because yeah. there was, quote, neuroscience behind it. Mm. And so I, ca- I called a couple of psychologist friends. And I was like, do you guys got any beat on this? sort of thing. And I I did the research on my own because it did even stare me a little. So this is for you guys. The scientific method is for you to be informed consumers. So you're not getting scammed by something that isn't very effective. Right. Yeah. So the scientific method is obviously a process of experimentation that is used to explore observation and answer questions. So the steps basically are, you know, first you state the problem or the question, right? Mm -hmm. First, you're like, what, what is, what's the thing? Yeah. What's the issue? What is the, what is the thing going on here that I'd like to solve? Right. Uh, let's say let's use an example. Uh, sure. Dating. <laughs> <laughs> right. I I seem to date only narcissists, and I want to explore dating positive, healthy people. Sure. That's just a that's just a problem. Sure. Let's say. And then the next step is gathering information about that. Yeah. How, what timeline do they show up in? Right. What are their personality characteristics? Right. Why do, how do I respond to them that seems like they like it? Right. What yeah. are just what what are the variables here that are happening? You're right. just describing the events. How long do the relationships usually last? Right. What, when when does the turn kind of when does the flip <laughs> yeah, when does the switch <laughs> kind of flip? Yeah. yeah. When's the flippity floppy? So yeah, first is define the problem. Second is gather, gather some data. Information. Yeah. And then form a hypothesis. Yes. Right. Oh, I love a hypothesis. <laughs> so this is our this is what we think is going on. 
this is when we're trying to determine, okay, so I think that actually I may be drawing them in a little bit, like a, you know, yeah. moth to the flame situation yeah. Yeah. where I'm putting off this giving energy that's mm-hmm. drawing in these takers. When I when this actually happened to me, my hypothesis was that the first level of people who are the flashiest people that I was most drawn to on the front end were were the ones who are more likely to be bad behavioured people. Mm. And that if the I ones that flashed your, like the ones that you were first like, ooh. Yeah. The the first flashy, really love bomby sort of types yeah. were the ones that were the more difficult people. But that if I gave other people time to warm up, then I would find my hypothesis was that I would find that that would be a good healthier for me. person. That that would be yeah, that would yeah. be a healthier person. Yep. So that was my hypothesis. And it has to be a, a hypothesis must be keep it short observable yes it has to be observable key thing there and observable means that somebody outside of the situation can see this behavior yes yes behavioral like they got me soup that's why i gave those like five examples you want to be able to see specific examples it's not they it's not always like they make me feel this way you could make that a behavior you could say i over 80 percent of the time feel Feel happy when i'm with them and then you check that each day maybe but you also want specific tangible behaviors right and it's testable yes it's something that you can actually test because that's the next step is testing that hypothesis you have to explore the possibility that your hypothesis is wrong and whether or not it's right right Right. So in the situation I described, you could test the hypothesis by, say, dating a couple of people, seeing who is the initial flashy pantses, label the flashy pantses, and then label the people who are kind of like slow to warm up. Right. And see what sorts of... If they're meeting the behavior marks. Yeah. Yeah. Or or the... You know, these are the 10 behaviors I want to see. And I want to see them over an extended period of time. Right. That is the key piece of the scientific method it's not just one data point hear me if you hear nothing it is not just one data point that you confirm or deny a hypothesis using it has to be over a period of time right so you gather data for a couple of months and you see who's hitting these behavioral benchmarks and what it's shaking out like and Turns out, right? Hypothesis <laughs> confirmed. Not a big surprise there, but turns out the people who had good boundaries, who right. were slower to warm up, who were just kind of learning more about me, did a better job and right. who initiated. weren't head first, head over heels mm-hmm. instantly. Yeah, yeah, I love you. I love you. I love you. Everything is perfect. You're the I'm, one I want to be with for my rest of my life. Yeah. And I just met you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So you test the hypothesis and then you analyze that data. So now, yes. so now that you've had these two few months, you're you're saying, okay, let's actually put this all down and actually look at it all together. What mm-hmm. what is the data combination? show yeah exactly and just because again we might want a certain outcome we might want the flashy pants the reason why we gather data is to confirm or deny the hypothesis so that you can break yourself out of old patterns using the scientific method right and it is y'all behaviors words are wind check into those behaviors seriously so you, you find out if the hypothesis is true or false if you find out it's true you know you can continue to explore right you can keep testing that hypo- like you can keep doing the experiment to further confirm yes the hypothesis yes you can gather more data points yep you can add a sub hypothesis you can yes. add a second hypothesis yeah which expand upon your research yeah you yeah can, you can say you can say oh i'm gonna develop a whole program of research with you baby <laughs> <laughs> and you select let's say you select one mate out of that timetable and you say okay well here's i my hypothesis is that this is a good mate Right now, I've now I've taken it to a second level here. I think I've discovered a non-narcissist good mate, and here are the fifteen things I want in a good mate. And I'm going to identify this over another three months. Mm-hmm. Right, that's your program of research. <laughs> that's your scientific <laughs> method. But if the hypothesis is false, then you create a new hypothesis. Right, and time to retest. form a new one and yep, mm-hmm. start again. And listen. There will be emotional attachments as a researcher yeah. in the world. Like when you're doing these, you're going to have confirmation bias. Yeah. Like again, there you want even something. the best, even the best scientist, even the person who's trying to be the most objective, even us as mental health yes. practitioners, we are trained to try to learn our bias a little bit so yeah. we can be aware of it and yeah. and try not to let it influence us. But 
ultimately we have a bias. Yeah, everybody does. Everybody does. So just be aware of it, right? If you're feeling that pull, see if you can just counterbalance a little. Right. A little. And and keep reminding yourself of the external behavioral factors when you're when you're trying to counterbalance that, when you're being mm-hmm. feeling the pull for one, but your observations clearly tell another, yeah. keep reminding yourself of that observation. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, this is how we break, like I said, old patterns. patterns. Old patterns. Old patterns keep us stuck. They keep us rooted in a specific way of believing in the world. This is what I would have to say about science and the scientific method. The scientific method in science is asexual, apolitical, a-religious. <laughs> this is just one big amoeba yes. that... It doesn't have, it's like nature. Like, it doesn't have a bias. Right. It is not. There's no dog in this race. There's no dog in this yes. fight, right? We're literally, if you are applying the scientific method, it's really good to get yourself in a mindset of, yes, you know, we do have some lived experience data, but we're going to be really open and curious about the curious. outcome of our experiment. Mm. And we are going to explore all of the possible reasons for the outcome of our experiment and redo it if necessary. Yeah. Like I said, the scientific method, it takes a long time. It takes multiple data points. Right. And you must replicate it across situation and different types of subject, different types of people. Right. It's not just a one and done thing. No, it has to be repeated over and over for it. And and when a hypothesis or a group of related hypotheses have been confirmed through repeated uh, t- tests and studies, then you can call it a theory. Like even then, it's not fact. It's a theory. Right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Very true. Because the scientific method is ever growing. Right. And this is the, this. And it can still be expanded upon and changed. I mean, it might be like, yep, this is definitely what it is. Then a few years later, we're like, oh, nope, never mind. Lobotomy's bad. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Lobotomies are bad. Yeah. They didn't really go with the scientific method on that one. Well, so that's actually another. But but they were, though. I mean, they're calm. This is, you know, this is seeming to work. These people were really crazed and now they're calmed down. Exactly. You know, over and over, it's shown to help make their behaviors less erratic because, well, they're not really there anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's a great point. Right. Yes. So actually, you bring up another point of like, this is why you don't just test one hypothesis. Yeah. You expand to many different views and many different possibilities. And even if you don't like the possible explanation for why something is the way it is, still explore that unliked explanation for yourself. Still be curious. Again, I think the curiosity is the key component. With with all of these things, if you don't want to feel defenses or if you don't want to feel like you're having this preconceived notion try to get yourself in that curiosity state that's that's going to be the best mode to be in whenever you're exploring these heavy hitting emotional situations right right so often as as therapists we do say you know we have our our clients do behavioral experiments which yes. i'll go well, which i will go back to but i want to also say that knowing this method and applying this method to your own mental health to figure out what works best for you or your own relationships for example to figure out what works best for you even your own pocketbook it will globally help you with problem solving and i want to harken back harken <laughs> use that word to a previous episode about Resiliency. Mm. So resiliency factors, we saw that one of the most protective resiliency factors against mental health concerns was problem solving skills. Right. So that's again, this is using the scientific (laughs) method and trying to be objective. Yes. So we are, this is literally us trying to teach you a resiliency skill to protect against mental health issues. Yeah. And so the scientific method, yeah, it's real sexy, baby. Like it's like (laughs) kind of boring up front, you know? (laughs) (laughs) that's what the scientific method is like everybody and so we want to keep using it right now that we know the steps to performing an experiment let's chat a little about how we can apply these experiments to our mental health so let's talk about that behavior experiment yes so a behavioral experiment with patients is something we can use as therapists but you can use it as clients yourself as consumers each person is we can we know that each person is different. Each client is different. Right. Everybody's going to respond differently to different mental health advice. Yes. I hate it when somebody tells me to be to have gratitude when I'm not feeling gratitude about things. <laughs> it makes me want to punch a hole through 
space and time. It makes me so mad. But if I but if I want to assign this experiment to myself, it's okay. Otherwise, it's, or I hate it when somebody tells me to be mindful and I and I don't feel like being mindful. But if I assign the experiment and I say like, okay, let's well, see how this goes. Yeah, let me see how this happens for me. How what whether it actually impacts me or not. Okay, it can be a little easier to swallow, and right. it also can feel like it's on your terms. And we can see whether it even does help you or not. Because my hypothesis right. was at one point in time, mindfulness doesn't help me. Right. Or affirmations don't help me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was Breathing right. is stupid. I do it naturally. <laughs> all those things. Those we are all have experienced and had hypotheses. <laughs> yeah. And after doing it, we're like, oh, wait, never mind. Shit, it helps. <laughs> Shit, it helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was That's exactly why we value the scientific method so much. Because we as therapists, we have had to go learn and practice all of the skills that we're presenting to you. Mm-hmm. And I would say at least half of these skills I thought were total bullshit, right. but gave myself behavioral experiments, which means I tried the skill right. over an extended period of time, gathered multiple data points, and saw how it affected things like my mood, my behaviors, my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then my hypothesis was, mindfulness is stupid and doesn't help me at all and then when i gathered the data i was wrong so i mean that's the scientific method right there and i could incorporate it as a coping tool right and a lot of times i use it with people for challenging core beliefs that's a great one when you feel deeply about something it's really hard to tell yourself that it's something else even if there's a part of you that knows like you know what i'm a good person but deep down you feel worthless and you just can't shake that un worthless feeling yes so you can do behavior experiments to further validate what that you aren't you know that you are a worthwhile person gather new data gather new data Mm -hmm. and use the evidence of that to support your challenging like so when you do challenge your your thoughts or when you when that belief is stirred and that automatic thought is set into motion you have data points that better challenge those thoughts and perspectives because hey, not everybody else thinks I'm worthless. This person over here actually just gave me a compliment and was really thankful for my help. So right, there's that, evidence against that. Right, exactly. And it's a continual development, right? You right. can tell yourself, if I'm a true scientist, I don't just accept this thought automatically that I'm worthless piece of garbage. I'm going to go out there and actually validate it. Like that doesn't make sense to me to just accept that point blank. I'm going to get more data and I need right. to gather the data over time. And have I even examined this thought? Right. right. Have I even talked to myself about this? No. So I need to create an experiment to prove it true or untrue. Or untrue. Yeah. Am mm-hmm. I really this person that I believe I am? Or is it more complicated than that? Or yeah. am I, you know, am I filtering? Do I have that mental filter where I'm ignoring those positive things that are saying otherwise? Right. I'm ignoring the small things. Go and back it- to the Murray show. We just did a lie detector test. <laughs> you are not. What is that? Determined that was a lie. <laughs> what is that? What it was? Did you call it the Murray Show? Isn't that what it's called? It's called Maury. Maury. Oh no. fuck. I don't know. Thank you for this gift. <laughs> <laughs> No, I love that. We're keeping that. We're keeping that. If you edit that out, I'll be so mad. I'll throw a fit. I'm going to reference it every five minutes. Oh, my jeez. Yeah, no. Yeah, the Moore show. Exactly. The lie detector. Right. That was a lie. I love it. Exactly. (laughs) We have to to do our own lie detection through the scientific method. Precisely. And so with the beliefs, basically, you need to clarify your original dysfunctional belief. You know, maybe it's I can't enjoy my single life. So then you need to rate how strongly you believe that. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to, you know, derive the hypothesis or the alternative belief. And, you know, I may be able to enjoy some things as a single person. Rate how strongly you believe that. Yeah. And then do the experiments. Go out and engage in life. Like legitimately, again, try. Make sure that you are curious. Curious and following through. Within therapy, I see people with these behavior experiments. Well, they will set themselves up to fail because they don't want it to come through. They Mm -hmm. will... I didn't enjoy it because I didn't go out and do anything. I was home alone the whole time and I was miserable. Well, yeah, because you didn't do, you didn't socialize or engage in behavioral activation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like you had confirmation bias on your scientific method. Right. You didn't want it to be true. Right. So you didn't explore it fully. Right. Right. Yes. 
and then carry it out, do the observations and record and reflect upon those observations and keep experimenting. Right. This is the key here is that you can see that it's again, it's slower. It's not impulsive. It's more methodical. Mm -hmm. And I would say as a person, I kind of lead with my instincts, my emotion and my heart. And it is tough for me. This is this is a challenging thing for me to do, but it does pay off in the long run for those yeah. of us who are kind of like heart forward sort of creatures to just like leap in and yeah. ask questions later. Right. Yes. This, this will help you. I, I can pretty much guarantee it. I've seen it against clients examples i've seen it with myself right scientific method helps and i can ditto too for you yeah yeah on both levels on clients and myself for sure yeah with my negative core beliefs that i previously really struggled with that was that was how i got myself to start to believe otherwise to start to see myself as the badass person i am thank you very much (laughs) yes exactly exactly (laughs) exactly and and testing them is the only way and it it takes time it It does it does and i'll point out too that these experiments can be We have talked about this a little bit, but they can be pleasant events. They can be achievement events. They can be mastery activities. Yeah. They can even just be judging somebody's character. Mm. I love to use behavioral experiments to judge somebody's character. I I 100% (laughs) see that. You little stinker. You're like secretly putting people through hoops and trials. Absolutely I am. If you beat me, I am watching you for months. I this, love it. This this is a test. The whole thing is a test. Let me be very clear. I feel so glad that I passed your tests. Uh, Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. I have, a, I have a series of experience and I am watching you. <laughs> nobody has PTSD here. Right? Oh, no anxiety or trauma. Not at all. There's, no, there's only normal stuff going on right. in this room. Just but, normal. But to be fair, when I have felt at times like I could not totally trust my own instincts about things, right. I could not totally trust the characters of other people around yeah. me, I could not totally trust that I judged a situation correctly or appropriately. Right. So kind of what I would do would be hang back just a little intentionally, just a little, not like so much that I wasn't being genuine, right. but just a little in social situations because I found that I was attracting kind of the wrong kind of person to me. And for my experiment, it was a lot about Okay, what are, again, what are my values? What are my like big 10, 15 values? And, you know, I've got like freedom on there is a really big value Mm -hmm. of mine. I've got genuineness, authenticity, humor, all very big values, healthy, mutual relationships, all big values. And I use those values to help me to determine what would be behaviors and somebody that I would need to see that would match my value system yeah. and support healthy relationships. So the types of behaviors I might look for are a b- really big one for me is consistency. Mm-hmm. If you say you're going to do something, you do then the you thing. Then you better do the thing. I don't care. I don't care about the reason for it because you can tell me all sorts of reasons, right? right? But if you consistently tell me you're going to do one thing and you do a different thing, that's going to let me know that Whatever the reasons are, you're not consistent. Right. So I, I don't need to really know the reasons. If over a period of six months you're just not consistent, then that's just the way it is, and maybe Same. you're not ready for this relationship. Right, right, right. You know, or other behavioral indicators would be that they're honest. Right. I can prove if they if they tell me a fact, I can later verify that fact. Mm. Or another one would be that they are giver and a taker, not just a taker. That they can be reciprocal with me and that if I offer something to them, they offer something to me in return. Yes. And I find that when I don't use the scientific method, I'm often taken in by very charismatic people who maybe are takers and don't really do a lot for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when I use the scientific method, turns out I draw the right kind of people. And hell yeah, there's no shame in testing. You can still be authentic and genuine and be watching. But again, you want to have good boundaries when you're first meeting people. You don't, that's how you do draw in those negative people. When you, when you have poor boundaries in the beginning, that tends to allow them to think, to view you as somebody that they can take from. Exactly. Very, very much so. So by entering that as a scientist, you're already coming in with some level of boundary that you wouldn't have otherwise had. Yes, exactly. Right. By even putting yourself in the mindset of using experiments in the scientific method, you protect yourself from a lot of things really up front. And that's that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 don't let anybody say to you that, you know, this is you take the time that you need, right? Take right. take what time that you need to to learn what your environment is, what your surroundings right. are, and to make an educated decision. Yeah, because frankly, the longer you take, the more supported your your hypothesis is gonna be. Mm-hmm. The more likely you're you're gonna have a 
good choice. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, and I'll be real. I'll let like with the excuses on things, I might let a excuse or two slide, but that becomes a pattern too. Exactly. So observe that. Right. Exactly. And this like, is why we don't just want one data point. Exactly. Or two data points. Think in your mind of a graph. Now that's real sexy. <laughs> Actually, I kind of dig graph. <laughs> it's a real curvy graph, baby. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's an in, it's a visual image. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Okay. So think I don't have your... image. Remember, I have to make my own. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna draw. I'm drawing this on a board as we speak for Michaela. <laughs> okay. So imagine in your mind a blank whiteboard, and I draw a dot on the whiteboard. That's your one data point. Okay, what kind of conclusion or line can you draw to anything from that dot? You can't. It's just a dot. It's just <laughs> one dot, baby. You got nothing else there. But let's say I draw a second dot a little higher to the right. And I can draw a line between those two dots. Okay, something's happening there. Maybe this is going up. Maybe this maybe this behavior is going up. I don't right. know. And then I draw another dot, and it's just a little higher than the second dot. Mm. And another dot, and it's just a little higher than the third so dot. Things are escalating. Yes. <laughs> okay, so we've got a trend, yeah. right? We've got a what we are looking for in experimental data with the behaviors of others and the behaviors of ourselves is a trend. Right. And if it doesn't need to be like not every dot is going to keep trending in the positive or negative direction, you might have an outlier. So maybe just like on the let's say the 10th dot, we have one dot that's like crazy up in the left hand corner. (laughs) That's what we would call an outlier. Right. That's a set of data that is something we may want to consider, but it might be something we can toss out. Yep. So let's say that we're using the example of somebody who's giving you a bunch of excuses in Mm -hmm. their relationships with you. And you get excuse on week one, excuse on week two, excuse on week three, excuse on week four, and they're just kind of escalating. Then suddenly out of the blue, they do something like amazing, dope. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, that's an outlier. But then you keep you Getting keep excuses. Yeah, yeah, you keep looking at the data and it's a trend up, 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 right. up. They did that one good thing that yes. really draw you in and really hit your heart center and made you go, oh, yes. Oh, I love but, them. I'm going to stay. Right. But let's look at the data points and all the rest of the times that they have failed. Yes. So the one thing would be scientifically, we would call that an outlier. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of reasons, we probably remove it from the data set. Yep. And we would say that most the, of the time they do. Yeah. Most yeah. of the time they do. There are some times where you don't, which we can talk right. about in a later episode. That's more statistics, but we're just talking about for- <laughs> boring you further. Yeah. We're not going to talk about statistics today. I could really go down that road. There are some times statistically when you don't remove the outlier. Uh, I'm going to try to keep Crickets. people interested. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm doing my best to stay interesting on the scientific method, and I just went into statistics. Whoops. So anyway, so most of the time you drop that outlier, right? and we say, okay, the 10 other data points show us that this is actually an issue. Right. Now, here's the other reason why you don't just use one data point. Let's say that first data point you got was the outlier. Yeah. Right? So let's say the person you meet does something dope and you love it. And you're like, this is, I'm like, like into holy this. cow. Yeah. Like swept up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of love bombing. Yep. yep. Right. So then you got a couple little like, oh, they're doing great things. There's like three data points up there. And you're like, oh, this is really good. This is why you test it over time right then you start to get dots in different areas of the graph that are showing a trend in a different area over time right right so you you always get like i said more data over time now i think actually sadly we are running out of time on this subject we do have a lot more information about this and one of the bits of information that we'd like to talk to you about next time yes is that we want you to be able to be an informed consumer so we've kind of talked about how this time the scientific method can apply to your own mental mental health health. yeah and how to use it yeah yeah. and and what to what to what it actually looks like in the real world how we as clinicians use it for patients but also for ourselves but next time we want to talk a little bit about good research versus poor research, right. what that actually looks like and how you can determine if somebody's selling you snake oil mm-hmm. or if it's something that's actually useful to you. We want to also talk about what makes something a gold standard research study. And how would you know that this is, it's like, oh, I don't have formal training. How the hell am I supposed to know? I'm just going to listen to the doctor. Right. Well, you don't have to do that, you know? And for those of us like me who have a little antisocial <laughs> spike <laughs> and I don't super want to just I, listen. I feel like to survive in this world right now you need a small spike there <laughs> a 
let's be real. <laughs> this, what, what is that called? I think it was called like a, oh no, that was my paranoid spike. I forgot about that. I had a, I had a, <laughs> I got spikes all over the place. Don't worry yeah, about there's it. Yeah, there's a personality profile called the um, MMPI, which I think I've referenced on this before. When I took it, I got like two spikes and one of them was like paranoia. <laughs> so I was, like, <laughs> I was like, oh, aliens are out there. <laughs> and then the other one was, I uh, don't really particularly enjoy authority which surprises zero Nobody. people in this yeah. room and also i think we have the same spikes so <laughs> probably <laughs> <laughs> so, like that's why this works our, our pathology profiles are the same <laughs> anyway so we're going to talk about good research versus poor research next time what makes something a gold standard green and red flags for research so what makes something junk research versus not and we talk a little bit about what it, what are the limits of the scientific method right? as well. We talk about like, hey, here's how far it goes, but then what else can we use as evidence? Right. Yeah. Do we want to do an outside of podcast experiment? Yes. I love the scientific <laughs> method and I would love to do an outside of podcast experiment. So what, what are you thinking for yourself? I was thinking kind of just making sure that I'm more – cautious and conscientious about what I read and believe. Ooh. <laughs> we were just talking about this I know. before the episode. We were just talking about this Need before to use the a little more discernment sometimes and checks the facts. There, there are times where I'm very much like, no, I do not believe this at all. Yeah. But then if it's something that I really want to believe, I want to believe yes. that I'm like, I'm there. Yes. And I'm there so quick. Yes. Yes. And I like I that about you. But I don't, so I don't always check. Check. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, nope, I like this. It fits what I want it to fit. So we're going with it. <laughs> and I'm not looking back. We're jumping off the ledge right now. <laughs> we flying, baby. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, that that sort of um, beautiful mentality actually helped us get this podcast started. So <laughs> this is true. That, that is, like, we're doing, hey, you want to do this? Yeah. yeah okay, it's going to be it. great, despite all evidence to the contrary. It's like, this is going to be We have perfect. no idea what we're doing, but it's yeah. going to be wonderful. Yeah. I was like, um, <laughs> let's explore the evidence a little more. But the but the you know the spunk actually is and the enthusiasm is great. But yes, I could see how definitely we've got a as I have mentioned probably in the past a spooky Mulder and yeah. Agent Scully vibe going on over here. And so as I have told Michaela before this, I'm way more used to being Mulder, but <laughs> apparently I'm Scully here. <laughs> so yes, and and that should say something when the Spike Six conspiracy theorist over here thinks that right. somebody needs to slow their roll. <laughs> we've got we've all got problems. Okay, I'm. <laughs> Very excited to see how this experiment goes and to see what data oh, gosh. you check. I, I hope that I follow through with it because I'm going to be real that the motivation may not be. The I mean, motivation may not be there for me to follow through on that. I'll be real with it. I right. would like to do this. I think this is going to be just a long term thing that I try to be a little more conscientious of. Yeah. I mean, well, that's exactly it. Like people want to believe what they want to believe. They right. want to believe what makes them feel emotionally comfortable, which I totally get. Right. I would say- You want it to fit your narrative. Yeah, exactly. You want it to fit your narrative. I would say, ask yourself, if you are applying the scientific method at home and you do want to give yourself your own experiment, start an area where you're motivated to start. So like, I want to believe in ghosts, so I'm not actually interested right now today in applying scientific method to Against ghosts. Against that, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> I love ghosts. I'm believing in them, yes. right? But what I am interested in applying the scientific method to is my relationships because I want my relationships to go better. Mm. And I know that sometimes if I don't apply it, they don't go well. Or like, I want my mental health to go better. And I'm not actually proud at this moment of like – how you know yeah, what I mean? It's like I don't I, feel pride. I need to just get this to be functional. It right. doesn't matter to me really what the answer is. I just need the answer. So start in a place where you're not feeling prideful of what the answer is, and you're not feeling like super attached. You just need an answer so that right. you get your feet wet first, and then apply it to harder. <laughs> right, right, right. But always start simple. So what's yours then? I'm going to actually, so this is like a, this is what I do all, this is my favorite thing all day. So I am not actually going to add to it right now. Dig it. What I am going to do is apply it more with clients. So there are times where, you know, I, I wouldn't say often, but I would say about 20% of the time I'm like, I am really sure this is going to work with you. And I don't keep as curious of a scientific mind as I need mm -hmm. to. So I'm going to just go back to that very first level of the scientific method, which is curiosity, non-bias, and just open 
like objectivity right instead of like this is what i know is gonna work this is what just do the thing just yeah you're like okay okay we'll try some other things if this wasn't working right right Right. it is it is hard to like stay in that stance when you become uh well versed in a certain area but that is the key with science even if i'm an expert in an area i need to stay i can use my historical experience to inform my hypothesis here right but it it's just a hypothesis. Right. And technically, every person's different, right? Every person we, some is people, different. the things that work for everybody just yes. doesn't seem to click for them. Yes, exactly. And it frustrates us on our end because we're like, but it clicks for everyone. Yeah. How is this not clicking for you? I don't understand. I don't know what to do. I'm a but failure. if we take that curious stance, <laughs> yes. then we can, yeah. Then we I love can it. be more, yeah. And this is why I think there was something, there's some, there's like this internet meme that goes around that's like, oh, 95% of scientists can't solve this riddle, but but 100% of kindergartners can. And I don't think it's actually true, but the riddle is something like, it's a very easy solution and scientists get really bogged down in the details, supposedly, and mm. kindergartners are just like open-minded about something. I and I that. think that open-minded objectivity can actually lead to more creative problem solving. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to, I'll use my past experience to inform it, give the client what data I can I can give them yeah. and let them know what has worked for other people. But be objective and remember, it's just a hypothesis. And to be a real scientist, you've got to be willing to throw it out, scrap it, get a new one that's refined. Right. And adjust so, it. Yeah, adjust it. At be, the very least, adjust it. If yeah. not scrap and start again, at least adjust. Yes, exactly. <laughs> be be open to that adjustment. And and that's hard for me because I can be stubborn at times, but that mental flexibility is another key to resiliency. So this yes. problem solving and mental flexibility, this is gonna this is gonna be really key, guys. So I'm trying to demonstrate what I'm hoping to see. So you got a joke for me today? I do. Oh, tell me. A team of researchers have figured out how to reduce the rate of new mental health disorder cases by 100%. What? Stop diagnosing them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was good. That was really good. Okay, I've got one for you. Hey, girl. Our love is like the scientific method. Deep, complex, and never-ending. Oh, (laughs) I like that. It was like I'm one of those Ryan Gosling memes. That's yeah. great. Might or might not have had it that in my office at some point in time. Just I like, it. just might or might not have, like at one point. <laughs> that in time. one really resonates deep with your soul. It was just my soul that felt it, you know? <laughs> my soul and my loins. I was, was going to say, I mean, if Ryan Gosling is involved, okay. <laughs> Uh, all right well everybody that's our podcast today we hope you go forth and prosper with your little science brains and we'll see you for part two of science talk next week yeah see you next week guys bye bye